Hi everybody, hey, it's good to be with you again. It's Barry here from Turning the Page. And just a big thank you for <laughs> listening to me on the podcast or watching me on YouTube or just being part of my support team. Um, just a really big thank you to the people that support Turning the Page financially. Um, really so helpful. And if you want to learn more about how to do that, turningthepage.co.nz forward slash support. Um, today's topic <clears throat> is about demanding forgiveness and expecting forgiveness. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, I've often heard people say that they've um, been on the receiving end of people using the Bible as a bit of a weapon. Do you know what I mean? So. Um, using the Bible to manipulate or control, and the verses are hurled out and are told you have to forgive because the Bible tells you so. And if you've been on the receiving end of this form of manipulation, which it is, okay, then you will have heard these lines trotted out and others too. Um, but the Bible is never ever meant to be used as a whip uh, to force people into compliance. Um, here's a Richard Raw quote. I love Richard Raw. He's got some good quotes. A spiritual leader, and I'll just add on, anyone who lacks, who lacks, ba- oh, <laughs> who lacks basic human compassion has almost no power to change other people because people intuitively know he or she does not represent the, the, the divine or the big truth. Such leaders, or I'll add in people, such people have to rely upon role, laws and enforcement powers to affect any change in others. And such change does not go deep, nor does it last. Richard Raw. You know, and have you had anybody ever come to you and demand you change because the Bible says you must change? And the Bible says this, this, so you have to do this. And they use the Bible like a rule book, or um, as I've said, like a, like a whip. And one of the, the, most, the worst abuses of spiritual, of, of this power guilt trip manipulations, I believe, is to demand forgiveness. To demand forgiveness is when uh, peop- when the person who is harmed comes to the victim and says something along the lines of this, uh, I've apologised, I said I'm sorry, now you have to forgive me because the Bible says you have to. And then they might bring out verses such as, like these ones, um, My Heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. That's in Matthew 18. And whenever you stand for praying, forgive if you haven't any, if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive you on your transgressions. Uh, do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Pardon, and you will be pardoned. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Um, be kind to one another, uh, tender-hearted, forgiving each other just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. And bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against another, anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, 
so also so also should you and it's those verses are brought out as um, like it's a biblical requirement by God that you have to do it and so it's you feel forced into having to do it where it's it becomes really much a, a head action not so much a heart action yes God does want us to forgive but it's a process <laughs> yeah and this behavior is unloving manipulative and bullying and it indicates that the offender does not fully understand the damage done to the heart of the other and they have not taken the vulnerable time to explore the heart of the other instead they they want to minimize and uh, deflect now I don't play the game of chess, <laughs> but I know what manipulation and trickery can look like. I've done it myself. <laughs> uh, we all do. Uh, we think of a move to make so we can win the game. If, if I do this, then they will have to do that. And then I can do this, and they will have to do that. And I tell them I'm sorry, and so the next move from them must be forgiveness. And we play chess all throughout our lives and our relationships. And in the end, actually, nobody wins. Uh, G.K. Chesterton uh, considers people who manipulate as being like chess players. He says this, Poets do not go mad, but chess players do. Mathematicians go mad and cashiers, but creative artists very seldom. I'm not as will be seen in any sense attacking logic. I only say that this danger does lie in logic, not in imagination. G.K. Chesterton. Um, no, he wasn't saying um, poets don't go mad, as in any literal poets. Um, they don't go mad. Of course, there is um, unwellness in all sorts of... <laughs> occupations but it's the manipulation and trying to control and trying to um, make things go our way causes a heck of a lot of stress <laughs> it's a it's a them versus us and we have to out strategize the other much as in chess and when you live like that there is likely to be a high level of stress tension and anxiety Everything and everyone has to be controlled, managed and manipulated. And maybe that level of, of chess playing could lead to uh, mental unwellness. Honestly, all of us are chess players and poets. Uh, but some I've found lean more one way to the other. And I wonder which way do you lean? Are you more the chess player or the more the poet? Be honest. Okay, be honest. Here's a question. Do you think God is more like a chess player or a poet? Um, does God have like a plan, a strategy, knows all the moves? It's not a silly question. You know, we come to God uh, hoping and praying for a, a divine chess move to make our lives better. That the person we have hurt will forgive us. That we can be free of consequences. So life will return to normal, the way we want it to be. And uh, our life before God becomes a demand of saying the right words, doing the right things, so God ensures we win the game. <laughs> I think God is more on the poet end of the spectrum, 
more of a mystery to be explored than an accountant with a ledger book. Uh, the repentant poet asks questions like, how have I hurt you? Tell me more. They make no demands and have no expectations. They, they come to the wounded as much like a prodigal son and not an older brother to listening demands. Um, one repentant, one and then in the story of the prodigal son, one was a repentant poet willing to serve. And this is from the story of the prodigal son. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. So he was becoming, he was a repentant poet, just throwing himself on the mercy of his father. Um, no demands, just throwing himself in there. Wasn't trying to manipulate or do anything underhanded or trickery. It was just throwing himself towards his father. But the other was a chess player, the older brother. He had an accountant's list of resentful demands he wanted to manipulate. He was plagued by comparisonitis. The older brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed you, and you never gave me even a goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. You can see he had a list of demands resentments, um, bitternesses that he wanted to manipulate his father with. He was a chess player. You see, forgiveness is a gift, free and undeserving. There are no strings attached to this gift either. True forgiveness is actually an act of the heart. It's a movement where God uh, has worked on the heart and brought it to a place of knowing. Knowing more, understanding more, seeing the big picture. Forgiveness is coming to have compassion. Um, and in the um, blog post I've used this Greek word, whatever, <laughs> which means to be moved in the inward parts for the other. Now, if you want that type of forgiveness from someone, then it takes time. You can't demand it wrestling and dancing time between the hurt and the healer. It's poetry. It's not chess. It's not manipulation. It's poetry. You've got to wait for it. You've got to pray for it. You know, forgiveness is um, a gift initiated by as a work of God on the heart of the victim. Look, look they, they have choices. They may hold on to resentment, anger, uh, bitterness, their fists might be clenched forever, holding on to their rights for justice. That the hurt they are experiencing may be connected and infused with injuries and past painful things that have happened many, many, many years ago. That have nothing to do with you. But the God who knows all, sees all. God sees all the pain and torment that we carry. And, and the gift of forgiveness is that God gives to us 
the gift of forgiveness that God gives to us is because God knows all. John 1 John 3.20 says, God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. God forgives all because God knows all. And God is full of compassion. Everything that has happened to you, everything that has happened to hum- humanity, since the, the first fruit was eaten in the garden, <laughs> everything that has led up to this point of pain. God knows more about the story of our lives than we do. Uh, God is full of love and compassion. So the only response to our foolishness is forgiveness. To demand forgiveness is to interfere, I believe, is to interfere with the work of God on the heart of the wounded. True repentance waits and hopes. We wait and hope. Repentance prays for the victim of our foolishness. Repentance uh, knows justice but prays for mercy and hopes for a grain of grace. Here's some quotes for you to think about. Groups tend to emphasise accountability when they don't know how to relate. Better behaviour through exhortation isn't the solution, though sometimes it's part of it. So Larry Crabb, ever been in a group that's emphasised accountability? Yeah. Uh, compassion means entering the suffering of another in order to lead the way out. That's Rosaria Champagne Butterfield. And here's this big long quote from uh, G.K. Chesterton. Poets are commonly spoken of as psychologically unreliable, and generally there is a vague association between wreathing wreathing laurels in your hair and sticking straws in it. Facts and history utterly contradict this view. Most of the very great poets have been not only sane, but extremely businesslike. And if Shakespeare ever really held horses, it was because he was much, much the safest man to hold them. Imagination does not breed insanity. Exactly what does breed insanity is reason. Poets do not go mad, but chess players do. Mathematicians go mad, and cashiers, but creative artists very seldom. I am not, as will be seen, in any sense attacking logic. I only say that this danger does lie in logic, not in imagination. Poetry is sane because it floats easily in an infinite sea. Reason seeks to cross the infinite sea and make it finite. The result is mental exhaustion, like the physical exhaustion of Mr. Holbein. Now, I don't know who Mr. Holbein is. Um, To accept everything is an exercise. To understand everything is strained. The poet only desires exaltation and expansion, a world to stretch himself in. The poet only asks to get his head into the heavens. It is the logician who seeks to get the heavens into his head. And it is his head that splits. G.K. Chesterton. Powerful quote there, eh? Um, repentance involves one, facing, facing my utter helplessness to make life work as, it, as I would wish. Two, sorrowing over my insane strategies that are intended to make life work. Three, clinging to a God who calls me to follow a plan of life that seems absurd. Dan Elmer. And 
let the gospel burn, truth burn deeply in a desperate, humbled soul. Only at your ugliest will you see most clearly God's beauty. You will not stop. You will not completely stop sinning. Repentance is required every day. But redemption, regeneration, and reconciliation—the the wonder of grace—makes it possible for the sinner and the saint who are to enjoy God's love and spread it around. Larry Crabb. Forgiving is not a single event, but a gradual process of increasing compassion and reducing resentment. Shirley Glass. The willingness to forgive may be a choice, but the ability to come, but, but the ability to comes after gaining, gaining greater understanding. David Riddell. To assist you to forgive, remember that the offender was also a victim of someone else, and they were merely dumping their old their own pain. David Riddell. Accepting responsibility for your own attitudes and choices is the first step to a healed life. Christians call this repentance. David Riddell. Here's some questions. Have you ever been told you have to forgive? What did it feel like? <laughs> hmm. uh, number two, repentance requires letting go of demands and expectations. What it's like not to be in control. What's it, what's it like not to be in control? <laughs> what's it like to be a poet and not be a chess player? Uh, number three, what's it like to be compassionate to the one that you have wounded? They're good questions, aren't they? Hey, I hope you found this helpful. And if you want to email me and talk to me about something I've talked about in this post, barry at turningthepage.co.nz. And I look forward to speaking to you next week. Okay, bye.